Cold Stove Podcast. We are back. I am Brett Merriman, live from uh, 80 degree Austin, Texas. Can't fucking stand it, NRD. Uh, it doesn't feel like Christmas at all. But anyway, that's enough about me. NRD in the building. Uh, if Well, his building, I guess, is a better way. NRD, what's going on, man? What's up, man? We're, uh, we're surviving, not thriving. Had a little... Uh, surviving, not thriving. Why Gary, is that? Gary let me out of the cage last night, and I'm doing just fine. Oh. Uh, so, a bit of a bit of a Thursday night, huh? Bit of a Thursday night for your boy. So we're recovering, but we're here because NRD's not fucking leaving, and he's here for the Twitter people and the, and the, and the cold stove fanatics and faithful. So we're gonna rip this one like we always do on this Friday, but yeah, just just letting everybody know out there, wasn't an easy night and an even tougher morning for your boy. So, had a boy, the cold stovers out there, just knowing that NRD is playing hurt this morning. I love it, absolutely love hurt, it. Not injured. Uh, hurt, not injured. Hurt, not injured. What'd you get into? It was the uh, NHL holiday party, huh? Yeah. So it's fucking wild. Gary had a lampshade on his head. Bill Daly was swinging from the <laughs> chandelier. Um, Doing bong rips with Stevie Y, you know, the, mm, the, of the course. usual stuff. The usual stuff. So you mentioned before the podcast that uh, you were, you were, your drink of choice, or you have a new drink of choice, I guess, part of the reason that you are feeling it today. I told you, I said, I don't want to hear it. I want to react live on the podcast. So without further ado, NRD's current uh, imbibement of choice is, drumroll please. Well, before, all right. Choice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk this back a little bit, Brett. Live oh, back. Okay. Choice is choice is a vast overstatement. This was last night. This was my drink of choice last night. Uh, I see. Okay. This is not my drink of choice. Like I'm a you know espresso martini guy. There you Just go. like I know okay. you are too. I'm a margarita guy. I think you know. To all the listeners out there, Brett and I got a chance to hit it up in parts unknown uh, a couple months ago, and Brett knows what you I'm did. into, but. Little tequila Red Bull action last night. Oh my god! I'm a psychopath. Um, tequila Red Bull. Yes. Oof. You know what? Uh, immediately, that just like makes my stomach lurch. But as a former Red Bull vodka guy myself, mm-hmm. I can't hate the game. I can't hate the player because now NRD call me crazy. And shouts to my buddy Klein for this. I am now a espresso martini with tequila reposado. So kind of the vanilla-y, smoky, um, like Casamigos does a good reposado. Yep. I know I'll get flack from the tequila hardos for that take. But I'm, it's I'm a tequila hardo, so I'll flag you right now. I mean, uh, I get it. I have Tapatio too, guys. I get it. I have Tapatio as well. But... Try a little espresso martini with some uh, tequila reposado in it. I, I promise you, you will be pleasantly surprised. And I, for that matter, will therefore try a Red Bull tequila. Yeah, I mean, I just literally, there's no signs to it. Um, no Tom Cruise in, in Bartender or whatever the movie was behind the reasoning. It was just, I am not, I'm a tequila guy through and through. Mm-hmm. There was some vodka Red Bulls being passed around and I was like, what if we just did this with tequila? Um, oh, so this is a you creation. No, I'm sure there's like 40,000 other fucking people out there just like me that have partaken in this tequila Red Bull thing. But mm, okay. last night, it was my idea. <laughs> last, last night, night it was NRD's idea. idea. 
and Gary and Bill and the whole group were just ripping tequila Red Bulls with NRD. There you go. From Gary's office. Well, I, I'm glad you made it here because we got a lot to talk about in the hockey world, NRD. I'm very excited about this. Um, first, just quick, quick update to get out of the way. Chris Letang returned to practice, happy that 10 days after suffering a stroke, he's back on the ice. Not only is he back on the ice, Tom Wilson skating for the first time, non-contact jersey. So some injury stuff like McKinnon's down for a month, which sucks. Uh, but some guys are coming back too, getting healthy. A lot of injuries this season, it feels like. Colorado's team is just decimated. I mean, absolutely decimated. The fact that they're even competitive is is wild. Well, yeah. I mean, they they lost some of their key components in that Stanley Cup run last year. And they went deep into the season. We've seen it with Tampa Bay, right? Like, it's it's not easy to go play 82 and then go play another, what, 25 to 30 games. Like, it's just, yeah, it's not easy. And you don't realize, like, you listen, you get the glory of winning the Stanley Cup. And, and I think any player in that locker room would trade that, like, wouldn't trade that Stanley Cup for anything else in their entire career. But, you know, to go deep into that season like that, it, it messes with recovery time because then you you got your day with the Cup. You're focused on, you know, celebrating that win. You're not really hitting the gym and getting back on the ice till late August as opposed to early August. Like it throws everything off a little bit. And I'm not trying to point excuses for the, for the Colorado Avalanche, but you're seeing that in play with the fact that they've lost some key guys so far to injury. No doubt. I mean, if you go to the playoffs four or five years in a row, that could potentially be almost a whole other season. You know, like yeah. think about that, that you put on your body over the course of that period of time. It just doesn't seem like it'll a lot at the time, but you keep going to the playoffs. Like I wonder what the, if you look at the Red Wings streak from the 2000s and into the 2010s, how many extra games those guys played, and with a, a good group of the same people, you know. So interesting stuff there. Um, injuries definitely mounting across the league, which provides opportunities for I don't know maybe a team that plays out of Buffalo, New York, NRD. Can I talk about him for a little bit? I will allow you to talk about the Buffalo Sabres on one condition and one condition only. What's the condition? We start by talking about the eventual Rocket Richard Trophy winner, Tage Nathaniel Thompson. I leave you the floor. TNT. He's fucking dynamite. NRD. And you know what's fun about this is that like everybody gives you, you know, shut up, shut up, shut up. It's the Sabres, it's the Sabres. Now, Tage is a national story now. Like he is talk of the league in terms of what he's doing this year and i guess my thoughts on it other than just being so excited for him is that he's like he's not young per se he's 24 25 he's gone he's been in the league for a long time he's, just, he's the true like grew into his body breakout kind of player because I mean, he was he was in Buffalo four years ago, and got sent sent down every other year, every other yeah. week because he just wasn't he wasn't figuring himself out yet, and they had him on the wing. Then Don Granado, coach of the Sabers, uh, put him at center, and that starting last year, his his first breakout year, quote unquote, was the move to center, and for whatever reason that has suited him. But you can tell that this year that he is on a different level hands wise speed wise his shots always been good now it's great he's firing those those ovechkin style 100 mile an hour slap shots from that the office 100.3 was insane yeah 
and he's got a wrist shot that's deadly too. He scored on a, just a you, you you see very few straight wrist shots nowadays in the NHL. It's either a snapshot or a slap shot that are scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Scored on like a straight like take the puck back three feet behind you and come through and wrist it. He scored on a straight one of those off the post. Like he is just playing with this incredible, incredible confidence right now. Yeah. Incredible confidence right now. He he looks, he looks like a superstar. He truly looks like a superstar. He's grown into his body fully, and like the hands and the feet finally match the eyes and the head and the and the body. And I think that is so, so important. And not only that, you play in a system that sort of rewards i mean i mean the sabers are now a high event team which is crazy to say after the ralph crew years where they were like the lowest event team in the league except for the islanders playing the barry trotz hockey and now they're the highest event team and the the leading the league in scoring nrd at four goals a game did you think you'd be sitting here in december saying the buffalo sabers have the most goals in hockey no and and, you know (laughs) it's crazy to that point i mean so the Tage Thompson thing, really quick, just to kind of wrap that up before we continue on yeah. talking about Buffalo. Like, so for, for for full disclosure, I think the funniest thing I've seen on Twitter all day was the whole poor Jay Fresh hockey with his charts. Yeah, and the whole Tage Thompson was a one percent WAR player last year, and I was like mm-hmm. ninety nine this year. And I, I am all here for the people dunking on Jay Fresh. Let me just make that clear. Oh, that, that I didn't know you said, had you had Jay Fresh beef. So. Dunk away. That's fine with me. Interesting. But I do think there's some validity to the fact that, like, you know, I think he struggled to find his size. I think he struggled to get his legs underneath him in the National Hockey League. As you said, he did a lot of bouncing back and forth, and I don't think that gave him the opportunity to find his footing. So the fact that, you know, he's now comfortable in his body, comfortable with his physicality in his game, is able to do that in the frame that he has. There's no, like, in addition to the whole, you know, he came out of nowhere discourse is also like did buffalo mm. win the ryan o'reilly trade discourse you know oh it's so it's it's, it's interesting. there and, and you can make that argument but then again st louis has a stanley has a stanley cup so right. state right. you can never right ryan o'reilly was a key contributor on that team the captain he was a part of that run right not the captain at that time because i think it was petrangelo if i'm not mistaken but part of that team but you can argue that Buffalo might, when it's all said and done, wind up with a better player in that deal, and that's Tage. I, I mean, he is playing unbelievable, and it's just what we've seen from him so far is not a fluke. I don't think it's a fluke by any stretch of the imagination. No, he he's becoming he's becoming must watch TV, and I don't think you ever could say that you know I, about Jack honestly. And I think part of the Tage sort of renaissance here is. That was Jack's spot on the power play. Yeah. And you were never going to take that from him. And power play two, I, I, I don't think Tage got a shot there either. And so now that you put him in his, like, the most comfortable spot, and Victor Olofsson on the other side, like, Olofsson, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the Sabres here in a second with Olofsson and Middlestad just being, right now, basically two, two plugs, uh, unfortunately. But... You put him in somewhere he's comfortable. He's playing with extreme confidence. His stick handling for a guy that size is is otherworldly. Have you seen like some of the goals he scores where he's juking goalies out of their like deking goalies yeah. out of their out, like on their ass? Mm-hmm. It's he scored five or six goals in the last month that have been those like triple stick hand forward, forehand backhand forehand like backhand roof, and guys can't they can't take the puck off of him. 
because he's fucking huge. He's feeling himself right now. He's confident. Yeah. And so it's just such an interesting thing. And they locked him up. You know, everybody was like, look at his contract that he just signed in the offseason, seven by seven, one or seven, two, whatever it was. And being like, man, that's a big contract for a guy that's only done it once. Well, now that might be one of the best contracts in hockey. Looks like Honestly. a bargain. Yeah, it really does. Bargain. Bargain. Um, but the whole point on Buffalo now, and the, the thing that makes me nervous, NRD, and this is what, like, Buffalo's got the fund, you know, they're up and coming momentum. They got these kids. They got this. They got that. They got Tage, who's a superstar. Now they have two lines, two top NHL lines Skinner, Thompson, Tuck, and Paterka, Cousins, Quinn, the kid line. I'm nervous because if you have two top NHL lines, that sort of means whatever rebuild or 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 build out of this team is like 80% done, 85% done. Yeah. Because you time. have right, right, exactly. And that's what scares me. Because if they have if they have this, if this is the team and they're still going to like 86 points and missing the playoffs, well then what what are we getting so jacked up about? Because their third line right now is a debacle. Middlestat, Olafson, and a rotating cast of characters at center. Tyson Jost, who I liked a lot, honestly, a great waiver pickup. But Middlestat and Olafson are such poor defensive players right now that even though they're talented offensive players, they're getting caved in at five on five. And it's hard to carry two power play specialists. You know, Victor Olofsson always is going to have his shot and his power play like opportunities. And I, I, that, I, I would love to keep him on the team just for that reason alone. But Casey Middlestad is, he's, it's tough. It's tough. And I think he knows it. I think he knows it's sort of like this was his, his chance. It's kind of blowing it. Yeah. Well, and it's blowing it. Yeah. Unfortunately. And, you know, they're always going to have a fun fourth line, like the Gergensen's opposed to a fourth line. And now they have three of their top four defensemen set. Samuelson, Darlene, Power, and then, like, they're Jacob Chikrin away on the right side of Owen Power from being, like, that's the team. And then the goaltending, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's, final, that's that final 15% piece, more or less. Call that third line, 5%, goalie 10 whatever you want to do with the percentages. But their forwards are built out. And now the the positive side of that, this is my just roundabout roundabout point here. The positive side is that obviously it's working because they've scored the most goals in the league. But their goal differential is only like six or, or seven, whatever it might be. So you're scoring a bunch of goals, but you're also letting in a ton. And that's coming from the back half of their defense, the third line that's getting caved in, and their goaltending. And so now it's like, how do you fix those and are you ready to be a contending team? Yeah. And I think they're kind of like, oh shit, we're already there forwards wise. And the third line's gonna need to provide depth and, and secondary scoring in the playoffs or in the, in the runs and the stretch runs when you shut down, like say you have a really good third line in Colorado or a really good third line in Boston that shuts down one of the top two lines. And now you're gonna need to rely on a third line for, for a goal or two a game type of thing. They don't have that right now. And so that is that's the that's the issue 
But if, I mean, if you, that's the thing, right? Like this league, you can't, it's so hard to duplicate success, right? Only a very few teams have done it. The Detroit Red Wings, like you mentioned earlier in the early 2000s, Tampa Bay Lightning in this decade. You know, when you have that, when you have that Rapids chase in front of you, like the, like the Buffalo Sabres do right now, based on, you know, for all intents and purposes, heart level, heart trophy level play from Tage Thompson. No doubt. You have to, you know. I get your point. I get the roundabout point, but at the same time, you kind of have to go for it because it's in front of you, right? Like it's not for long. I know? agree. And, and you, I totally agree. And the, that's the, the wheels can fall off this W word before you know it. Last oh, year, and I don't careful Grinelli. I careful Grinelli. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I know you're thinking <laughs> that to yourself right now. I'm not trying to put that on you. It's just it's a matter of the fact. I mean, look. Yeah, and we don't have to talk about it on this episode, but look at the New York Rangers. I know, dude. Uh, so ab- absolutely, when you have yes. that opportunity in front of you, you go for it. Now, come deadline season, you talk about Olafson and, and you know Middlestad being that dead weight right now in the lineup. Are there hockey trades to be made because Buffalo has a fuck ton of cap room? I, I think mm-hmm. there might be. I think there might be in their own conference. You look at a team like Philly, who we talked about on this podcast. Danny B is going to be in charge after January, whatever second, third, fourth, fifth. You know, pick the date. He's going to have carte blanche to make his moves at the deadline. He is going to blow that thing up. There's a potential that Carter Hart's available. There's a potential that Travis Konecki's available. These guys are available. If you're Buffalo and you see that and are have, that, have those assets in middle stat and Olsen, the ability to make hockey trades, I'm just kind of like, I, I'm with you on your points, but at the same time, it's like you have to go for it because it, you could easily be the New York Rangers next year where it's like uh, yeah. the, you know somebody just pulled the tablecloth off the table and right in front of you. It's so easy to be an up and coming team, and and then something something happens, yeah. and you and then the, you look at the Rangers, and then you look at like now the Kraken are are flying, but is that real? And and then you look at the Jets, who are supposed to be a Stanley Cup contender last year, and they shit the bed. Like a lot can happen, and very rarely, very rarely are we talking about a team that like goes and and does the Colorado where they suck. And they build that thing inside out, and now they're at their peak. And whatever their window is, it's it's this glorious like run, and they keep this core together and retool around core and core and core. So very rarely does that happen. I think Buffalo is as set up as anybody to do it. Detroit being another one that that is currently doing it. But it's just it's scary. It's a little bit like the dog chasing the car and then catches the car, you know. And they're like, oh fuck! What do we do now? Like, are we ready for this? Are we ready? Are, are but we that's ready? okay because we've talked about this on the show so many times about like you know my take, and I've it's almost like I'm a broken record at this point. And I've said this about Vancouver. I've said this about New Jersey. Just get there, right? Like Buffalo hasn't yeah. been there in so long. I know you know that. <laughs> Just get there, yeah. and then we'll figure. Like, get to that car, get to the mm-hmm. car, get to the driver's side door of that car, and then figure it out. And you know what? Yeah, you might as well. Right. You, you like, know what? If you're always you might get content kicked out. with chasing that. Yeah, like you yeah. might get kicked out, but like get there because you haven't been there. And getting there is such an important step that I think people like – and I'm not saying this is you, Brad. I'm just saying like in general. Like I think this this instant gratification, a lot of teams now rebuild, then you're supposed to like win a Stanley Cup. And it just right. doesn't happen that way. And people forget that such an important step sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, is just getting there and then even losing once you get there. Because it, it develops yeah. those those you know that comfortability of playing in the playoffs. It develops those lessons that you learn and why you lost. Right? Like, hate to sound like a dinosaur again, but Wayne Gretzky said it about the 1980 Islanders. Right? He credits 
walking past that locker room in the Nassau Coliseum and seeing the Islanders celebrate for the start of the Oilers dynasty because that team mm-hmm. taught the Oilers, who were a young team, great team, rebuilding on the up and up, how to win, right? So I'm not yep. not trying to you know compare it to apples to oranges. Wayne Gretzky's greatest player ever, but you know just get there and don't even worry about what you do when you get to the car if you're the dog chasing it. Just get there, and that just getting there enough is, is enough for some for some guys. Mm-hmm. So no better no better team or no better position for a team I think than than that Buffalo. Detroit, uh, Seattle, even kind of that's those are the teams like Ottawa, for example, preseason hype through the roof, and that has not gone the way that they expected. Certainly, Seattle's fraudulent, so, so I'm not going to let you through that. Uh, you know what? Even <laughs> let, let me let me let's replace Seattle with New Jersey then. Totally fair. Because that is that is a, a team that's sort of been knocking. Right, LA is another good one. That's just been like, all right, what are these teams going to pop? And now we have two or three of them popping. Mm-hmm. And then we have dinosaur teams like the Bruins also popping. The, the, the David Krejci effect. Anyway, before we move on, NRD, let's talk about our friends over at Shopify. Shopify is the backbone for everything we do in commerce at Washed Media and eventually for Cold Stove. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell it to anyone. From anywhere, whether you're selling warmups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your own online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create die-hard fans. Shopify fields all the sale fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. NRD, we are a Shopify company at Washed Media. We build out our store by ourselves. It's all custom. It's super easy. It's plug and play. If you want to add a product, uh, you can add services. You can add gift cards. It, It Basically, if you want to grow a brand on the internet, whether it's merch or product like services, it doesn't just have to be t-shirts. It can be anything. Uh, custom, custom woodwork like things. You name it. Shopify basically allows you to build out the back end so that you can get your brand or service or products out in front of people. And uh, and it makes it incredibly easy, incredibly seamless. And we can't say enough nice things about Shopify. So when you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere to anyone at any time. This is possibility, NRD, presented by Shopify. So here's the deal. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com stove, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com stove to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash stove. Um, we mentioned Buffalo. I could talk about them forever. I, I will continue to talk about them forever. But maybe they're not necessarily buyers at the deadline, depending on their position. They're just kind of going to let this thing marinate. They could be sellers. They have some pieces. They could be buyers, maybe one piece. Or they could be buyer-buyer, as in we don't need a rental. We want a guy like Jake Chikrin, yeah. right? So we mentioned Chikrin. Two other guys that I want to mention that sort of maybe are not necessarily tied to Buffalo. I've heard one of them is 
But Brock Besser and Bo Horvat in Vancouver, and kind of maybe Vancouver in general, general, they've won three straight. But that still just feels like a, a place where the coaching situation is going to be up in the air. The the fan base is sort of like, what are we doing? The plan is very much up in the air. It kind of feels like the Boston Red Sox where it's like, well, we we were good and we like to home grow our guys, but we can't keep them. We, and, no, and nobody seems happy in one of the most beautiful cities in the world, NRD. Agree or disagree? 100% agree. I mean, Bo Warvet and Brock Besser, were both, they're both not going to be Vancouver Canucks after the deadline this year. Whereas, you know, JT Miller last year, I was telling people, pump pump the brakes. This year... And you were correct. This year, push that throttle forward on, on these two. So, you, so there's a universe where Horvat, Miller, and Besser are no longer Canucks. Not Miller, I'm sorry. Maybe I... Okay, okay. Once again, we're playing on... Few, this is a flu game right now, so... Flu game. I, if I okay. said that, I misspoke. I apologize. What I meant to say was we talked about Miller last year... They were saying yeah. he would be out by the deadline. I was saying no chance. This year, Got it. Horvat and Besser are the new JT Miller. Everybody's saying they're going to be out. And this time, I'm saying I believe it. And you are, and and you're agreeing with I that throttle with that gas drinking Got it. the Kool Aid in terms of them two being on the move. And you know what better fit for Brock Besser than potentially Colorado Avalanche? Yeah. I, I I mean the rich get richer in that situation. But right? they have the ability to put McKinnon on LTIR, and mm-hmm. you know they can accrue some cap space right now. They might have an issue when he comes back. They're going to have an issue when he comes back. It's, it's, don't take it. But if New Hook goes the other way, if they can shed some salary, and they make a hockey deal with Vancouver, yeah, I think that he's a guy that comes in. and I think he tears it up in Colorado playing in that system. I totally agree. Now it now it kind of comes down to if you're Vancouver. What's the plan? That's the problem. So, like, Hockey that's why. Might not work and, for them. Right, and that's why I look at a Buffalo. I, I hate, you know, I, I say Buffalo, but kind of you can sub in any young up and coming team that's going to have a lot of cap space. One and two, a lot of prospects or picks that they've accrued if they've been bad for a long time. So Buffalo is just uniquely positioned because they have too many prospects. Like they're not going to be able to play everybody. They, uh, except for really defense, their defensive prospects have now sort of. They're, they're there. They've graduated, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryan Johnson, probably not going to be the next one, unfortunately, because I like him as a defenseman. But picks, <laughs> prospects, you got to think that that's what Vancouver, if they want to studs this thing, and I don't know if they do, only Jim Rutherford, I guess, knows that, that's where you want to start, right? And and this current iteration of the of the team... It's just not it's not working. It's not a hit. You know, it's not working. Right. They they their their pinnacle is not good enough. And so if that's the case, and you're really not counting on any more development from a guy like Bo Horvat or JT Miller or Brock Besser, like they're twenty, you know, twenty five, twenty seven, twenty nine, Connor Garland's twenty six, Mikheyev's twenty eight. Like you you're not you know, you're not getting another boost unless you kind of have a Chris Kreider like season but you're not going to get any faster or better you know like does that make sense is like their development is pretty matched out. yeah they're there they are who we they know are what they, they are. are yeah yeah i agree with and that. if that's the case and you're not winning then then what's the deal what are you then what are you doing um and so that's why i think a guy like 
Brock Besser, Bo Horvat. They're guys that are going to be, you know, very much in considerations to move. And it's such that Thatcher Demko's hurt too. Like, let's, let's be honest there. Uh, because that's obviously, you know, show me a good coach. I'll show you a good goalie. Could he be on the move? Is that an asset that they, I mean, he is under contract, $5 million next three years after the season? I'd say no, but there's smoke out there for it. There is. I just, I, I think he's a guy you build around, right? Like it starts in the net. And, and we've seen the great teams have had great goalies besides Colorado. You know, and Toronto. Mm-hmm. Toronto's, we can argue Toronto's not a great team. Like the, the one team that's had sustained success in this league is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've had Andre Vasilevsky. They've had great, great talent mm-hmm. up front too, but they have the goalie. The Rangers have Igor Shosturkin. Vitek Vanacek in New Jersey is looking like he could be a goalie, which is crazy. I don't think we would have thought that months ago, but no, Good I think if if you're Vancouver, I think you have to hold on to Dr. Demko. I think he's the type of guy you build around. Um, similar to what the Stars are doing with Jake Ottinger. Now he's not locked up long-term, long-term, because if you know, money was tight. But Ottinger's the type of guy that's like, no matter what happens, he's going to be the staple of the organization. So I, I think if you're Vancouver, you have to do the same with Dr. Demko. Totally agree. Let's stay uh, with goalies, NRD. You've gotten a little bit of a spat on Twitter recently. Um in regards to the, I don't know, St. Louis Blues goalie. That's a one Jordan. Oh, that piece Bennington. of shit. Um, <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. No, it's just, you know, yeah, Ron Hexel did the same shit. Ron Hexel also scored goals. And it was, like, fun. Like, he would skate down the ice to then beat the shit out of Felix Potvin. So, like, yeah, while it was the same dirty crap that Hexel was doing, because remember, he, like, tried to kill Chris Chelios. Um, when Chelios is in Montreal, like he tried to actually kill him. So like, yeah, he was just as crazy and did the same dirty shit that Bennington's, Bennington's doing, but Hextall dropped the gloves. He was all around a psychopath, did some fun shit. Like it was almost like entertaining, right? Like he wanted to see what Ronnie Hextall was going to do next. Bennington just and like, guess what? He was also, he was also saving pucks. Yeah. Like he was really good at what he did too. Hextall yeah. was a great goal. He was, goal he was winning career. games. Bennington had a great run. And won a Stanley Cup. And besides that, he's been Middington, as the kids say, oh, for the rest of his career. Goodness. And, you know, it's just like, it's not doing anything fun. All he's doing is just like fucking going to play a puck down the net and then throwing an elbow to a guy's face. You know, and that's just not like, it's just stupid. We talked about this last year with Aaron Dell. Remember Aaron Dell did that? Oh, the Aaron Dell, the scumbag of the year award goes to Aaron Dell against the San Jose Sharks. I, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was like Kevin LeBanc or something. I like wouldn't that, call it the, we'll rename that scumbag of the year award the Jordan Bennington of the year award. The Jordan went, Bennington award. It went to Aaron Dell last year. But no, like the, the, the shit that happened in Pittsburgh, that's what this fight on Twitter stemmed from. It's just like, you know, he throws that cheap shot on Jason Zucker. Yeah, maybe Zucker went down like a, like a ton of feathers, but you know, still like, there's no reason to do that. You're you're getting beat. He lets up what four in the first period. Then he's skating off the ice. They pull him from the game. Then he's chirping at the Penguins bench. It's like just go home, you know. It, just yeah. go home. It, it's ridiculous. And, and I thought Craig Berube was was you know funny and kind of saying just like just cut the shit and stop the puck. Yeah, like that. Let's worry about that first uh, before we're trying to get in fights with the entire Penguins team. Yeah, it's just it, 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 there's no reason for it. But yeah, some of the St. Louis Blues Twitter uh, followers that I have were not happy. One of which told me, uh, "Tell them to the effect of go fuck myself and go do your podcast." Which, like, yeah, I mean, I'll just keep doing what I normally do every Friday <laughs> here with Brett. Uh, thanks to Wash Media and all that. So, 
great insult there, but um, no, but it, it's all love for the, for the St. Louis Blues fans and everything like that. I, you know, I have no problem sharing my opinion on Twitter, but that is my opinion. I don't, I agree with Craig Berube, Berube completely to be serious. Just, just stop the puck and stop the bullshit. Um, when you can go out there and post a nine two one in an entire season, then you can throw elbows and slash guys in the back of the leg and back it up. But yeah. right now, when you and get chased in the first period, it's not a good look. Yeah, when you're Patrick Waugh and the antics are like, or Ron Hedgestall, and the antics are fun and they're part of the, like the whole ethos of your your whole brand or whatever it might be, and you're winning games. Like if Jordan Bennington was the best goalie in the league right now, we'd be like, oh, that bad, like badass, this yeah. that you know, he'd be he'd be edgy, he'd be a villain. But you can't be a villain and not good. No, and that's, that's the thing. Like you you could you almost think that like. He actually at times is more focused on throwing an empty water bottle at Nazem Kadri than like just stopping right. Nazem Kadri on a breakaway himself. Like he's thinking, exactly. like, how do I fuck with Nazem Kadri as opposed to just why don't I just stop the shot from Nazem Kadri and I get back at him on the scoreboard? And I think that he's so yeah. in his own head with his antics. I don't know if you're a much of a WWE or professional wrestling guy on RD, but when you're trying to build a villain, you don't necessarily have them losing a bunch of matches early in their career. Not a good look. You know, if you catch my drift. Uh, let's go to another fan base you like, to mix, you like to mix it up with online. That's the Philadelphia Flyers fan base, NRD. What is the latest on Broad Street? Status quo from last week's episode. Uh, we mentioned the jump when we were talking about Philly a little earlier. Danny B is going to have his chance. Uh, I, From what I'm told, it's not going to be with any restrictions. If he sees fit to blow that team up, he's going to and get rid of some of those contracts. But it's open season in Philly once he takes over, and he will. Chuck Fletcher's going to slide up to president of the organization. And uh, if you told me this like five years ago, I'd say you're crazy. But the Philadelphia hockey ops brass will now consist of Chuck Fletcher, Dean Lombardi, and Paul Holmgren. So it's always sunny in <laughs> Philadelphia. Uh, it, it certainly is. Does that mean, I mean, like maybe not immediately, but – I mean, does that like you? Do you you build around Farabee? I would assume. Maybe you keep you build around Konechny, but you said Konechny would be a guy that teams are going to call if on. They he's want, in that Brock if Besser they want return. He's in that Brock Besser camp of like. I think he's a good player. I think the situation sucks. Yeah, is he the is he the biggest piece right now in terms of if you combine things like he, I'm not saying he's the best player on the Flyers, the most you know, but if you're if you're looking for a trade chip, right this second as far as Guy under contract at a decent salary, right? Uh, age, talent. If you put like all of the variables, is Travis connecting right now the Flyers' best trade ship? Yes, in terms of what they can get back. Maybe Ivan Provorov, because you could get a team like, you know, we talked about last week, like an LA Kings team that's desperate yeah. enough for defensive help that they could make that move. Um, but other than that, Konecki seems to be the guy. So you're not saying uh, Sean Couturier at seven seven for the next like a billion years is their best trade ship? No, neither is Rasmus Sean Couturier. Island, by the way, which which I'm sorry that Sean Couturier is hurt. I don't. I I'm ragging on a man when he's down. That was rude of me. That was, that was yeah. Let us let me pivot to let me let me pivot to a cheap shot on Rasmus Ristolainen. So you're saying Rasmus Ristolainen at five point one for the next however many years is not their best trade piece? I'm a healthy scratch the other day. By I'm way. saying I think he makes perfect sense for the Buffalo Sabers if they're serious. Oh gosh, wouldn't that be a fun reunion? I'd love it. Uh, <laughs> you know what I love? NRD is Claude Julien getting another chance over uh, in Switzerland. 
head coach uh, in in like a, a head coach in residence for a couple of weeks with H.C. Ambry Piotta. What do you know about H.C. Ambry Piotta? Uh, plays Switzerland team, you said? Yeah. Plays a ton in the neutral yep. zone. <laughs> well done, my friend. Well done. That's some geopolitics, uh, geopolitical humor, I should say, out of NRD. Um, I, I saw an interesting article the other day. I think it was a Pierre Lebrun piece on The Athletic. And he was mentioning how, you know, kind of this, the scoring in hockey continues this, this crazy rise. Now up even over last year. We're up, I think we're back up over six goals a game um, from a low of like 5.1 in 2003, four, five, uh, to now we're on kind of this high flying back to 1980s hockey where games are going 9-8, like the Kraken game, or 9-4, like the Sabres game. What do you, in your opinion, attribute that to, NRD? And I'll give mine later. And, and how how good for the game or or not good for the game, I guess, do you, do you uh, consider like kind of this increase in scoring? Let's get philosophical here on Cold Stove. It's only good if, you know, I hate to say it, but like, Where's hockey lacked, you know, in, in its social standing is is the mainstream guys, right? So it only helps yeah. if the bigger names are doing the scoring, which they are. I mean, Zegers is an all star because of you know his ability to be personable and score goals. You know, McDavid's on a tear this year that I think he's on pace for like a bajillion points. Um, I think it's is, I think it's literally I think it's literally a bajillion. Yeah, no, it's actually a bajillion. Uh, Leon's on that same pace with him, so I think it's good for the game. I mean. You know, we've been these things are cyclical, right? Like back in the eighties guys were scoring at a clip and it was like, all right, Wayne Gretzky just shooting pucks, not off the ice because he can't lift the puck, but he was doing it against like plumbers from Saskatchewan. So that was a problem. So then they went to the dead puck era and the two line pass and all that stuff and slowed things down. And then you got the physical style of the nineties. I'm glad to see where the game is at right now from a philo- philosophical standpoint. I think it's the best hope that the league has of bringing in that casual viewership. But, you know, we, we're also only doing this pod because you and I are diehards. So I think it's mm-hmm. – I, I don't want to give a – just call back to another joke – a Switzerland neutral answer. But I think you can look at it both ways. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think for me, it, it, the reasons, right, it's, it's speed skill are now paramount where 20 years ago it was physicality and – kind of a defensive brand of hockey where you get your star and you defend your star. But now these kids and the young, fast, skilled players, there's no fear anymore of going across the neutral zone, of accepting a a, a stretch pass because the physicality, the fighting is, is down. And there's still, let me, let me rephrase here. There's still physical play and there always will be playing. The body is a part of hockey. But gone are the days of seeking out gigantic hits, one, and two, kind of the, the retaliatory players are no longer a part of teams. Fourth lines are skilled now. Third lines are skilled now. Yeah. You don't have a designated fighter you you know some guys you'll have in the lineup or a defenseman like a curtis mcdermott that is more than happy to drop the gloves 
but he's not a plug anymore. He's not just there to do one job. And now without that fear and that hesitancy and kind of this sort of new era of, yeah, the veterans are still the the locker room guys, but the young players have, I think, a little more say. And you see that in like an Austin Matthews wearing whatever the fuck he wants. And, you know, the young generation, let's, let's old man yells at cloud here, has a little bit more clout. They do. than they ever have in, in the locker rooms across the across the the, the world really um, and so I think that that all ties in to speed skill open ice uh, people have more of a chance to be creative defensive systems don't hold up as well when there's guys flying around and doing moves that you know you you used to only do in practice that are now done in the game and then I think you know, they they have tweaked a, a, a little thing here and there, right? And that's making the, the goalie pads a little bit smaller. And that's, you know, increasing the, uh, like, it, keeping legs fresh because there's no more off, or, uh, icing rule that you have to go chase things down. So I think there's little tweaks here and there. You see it across every sport, right? Football, yeah, penalties, for example, are up in the NHL. Same with football. You can't cross-check guys in front of the net like you used to be able to mm-hmm. because you're going to get a penalty now. And so power plays are up. Goals on power plays are up because of the talent level, and poor goalies save percentages down like twenty points in the last you know five or six or seven years, and it's not their fault. It is quality of shooting opportunities. Uh, equipment's always going to play a role. So sticks are, are yeah. Well, the goaltending equipment, s- at least from that standpoint, right? Goaltending equipment's gotten sm- smaller. Stick technology is always going to get better. Skate technology is always going to get better. So I just think it's like it, it's sort of a natural progression, and I don't. People are kind of like fighting it out there. They're like, "Well, if you if you try to bring the defensive game back, well, it's not coming back," because that's not how hockey is taught anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it starts with kids. It starts with literal kids. We we talk about kids as being twenty one, twenty two year olds on teams, but but I, I mean five and six year olds, yeah, absolutely. And it's sort of this self fulfilling wheel because they see what Trevor Zegers and Jason Robertson and, and Mitch Marner do and Tage Thompson does. And then they do that. And then they grow up and the, you know, it's, not, it, it's, it's that cycle of no kids are seeing Andrew Peters wail on a guy 29 times a year. It's not a bad thing. Shout out to Petey, friend of the show. I love Petey. Yeah. Absolutely love Petey. But that's, that's not the game anymore. No, it's not. And so that's, and that's scoring follows and we're scoring follows. So the TV ratings and, you name it, but I don't think there's any like conspiracy here. No, not at all. I think it's just it's just the evolution of the game, correct? And it's a good thing, in my opinion. I like speed. I like freewheeling hockey. I don't like shutting it down and and being defensive, dump and chase hockey. And I think it's been proven that possession of the puck, going into the offensive zone, cycling the puck in the offensive zone and creating quality scoring opportunities versus the dump and chase, check, send the second guy, turnover mistake, slap shot game is is no longer. Unless you, you know, unless you have a lead or something, right? Like there there's situations now. But I don't know. I think that's just my kind of long meandering take that yes, scoring is up. Yes, save percentages are down. And no, I don't think it's an issue one. I think it's fun too, and I think that's the future. I, th- I, don't, I don't think it stops. 
I, um, I agree. It is the future. Speaking of the future, Shane Wright scored his first goal as a uh, NHL hockey player, NRD. Guess who it was against? The Montreal Canadiens. Les habitants. That's correct. Uh, c'est bon, c'est bon. Uh, probably felt pretty good for that kid, huh? It, it felt good for Shane Wright. It felt good for, you know, Seattle Kraken fans. I don't know if there's like 30, 40 of them, but it also felt really good. Oh, come on. They have a good little thing going. It felt really good for myself to see the Habs fans on Twitter absolutely just melt. Yeah. Right? Like, then, and, and it got, and, and, uh, and if you know anything about Montreal Canadiens fans, which you do, I'm saying to the, to the people out there, they are vicious in their words and the choice of words <laughs> that they use. And Shane Wright oh, yeah. was being called things that like. Well, because they get two languages. They have double the words. They have double the curse words, which is incredible. Yeah. I mean, all the power to them. But, but their choice of words is just, I mean, magnificent viewing through the scope of if you're just looking for some raunchy entertainment and the things that were said yeah. about Shane Wright after staring down their draft table after they passed on him way back Love in July. That. Uh, to lat the other night when he scores his first NHL goal. Good for him. Where is he now? I think he's out in Montkin with the Canadian team. Right? Yeah, he's he's sort of he's sort of been doing uh, he, he kind of the the perfect. And I I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll have some nuanced take on the on the CHL not allowing guys to go to the A until they're twenty. You know, like mm-hmm. they, they they can't. You're either NHL or you're back to juniors. That's been a deal that's been in place forever. Um, and I don't necessarily love it. I also get it. I also understand that junior hockey in Canada is like a literal spectator sport, money making sport. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, I, I so I don't hate it by any means. Um, but yeah, he's going to be bouncing back and forth for sure. I don't know if they're going to do the whole like, was it the nine game burn thing, slide thing? I got to look into that more. I'm I'm speaking out of my ass on that as far as Shane Wright goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I think he's planning on playing World Juniors, right? Yeah, he's he's with Team Canada. I think it's the last update. Yeah. I think that was Dreger to put that out there. So that'll be interesting to see. I kind of have I, – I wanted to mention the World Juniors real quick as well. That's coming up. Um, such a fun tournament. Such a fun tournament. I know we talked about some world – like the World Championships and stuff we just can't get up for until the, the actual one that they do. They, they play the World Cup of Hockey where it's best on best. Mm-hmm. But the World Juniors is the closest thing you get to a best-on-best hockey tournament outside of, one, the Olympics, and two, the World Cup. So that's why I'm excited for it. Do you have any thoughts on the World Junior Tournament coming up in the next couple weeks? I'm excited for the World Juniors. I think, you know, we've had this weird relationship as hockey fans with the World Juniors after, you know, throughout COVID with, you know, the whole... The tournament being canceled, what, two days in? And then they played it in August. Oh, such a bummer. Yeah, They moved it from Russia in the first place. Like, there's been a lot um, with the World Juniors that has, like, changed dates and faint interest. And only the diehards were really watching in August this past year. But I- I'm excited uh-huh. that the tournament is back where it belongs with that U.S.-Canada matchup on New Year's Eve night. Oh, it's so good. So good. Like it's been so like that, many that it's years the perfect ago. T- the, the Christmas to Christmas to New Year's is bowl season and hockey kind of takes this weird step back, even though I don't think they should. Uh and but the World Juniors fills it in perfectly. The only thing I'm gonna say about the World Juniors is can we do a better job of streaming that? Because dude, I it, don't like it's so annoying, yeah. If I didn't know Gary's password, I probably wouldn't be subscribed to the NHL network because it the program stinks. So I know. like I don't 
we got to do a better job of getting in the United States because that's where Parts Unknown is. There's another clue. Um, so you live, you do live in the United yeah, States, correct. NRD. Okay. That was a big okay. <laughs> All of the people who had Toronto on their big board or Vancouver on their big board for NRD, tough day. Be caught alive in Toronto, brother. Um, <laughs> oh come on, man! No, it's a good city. Shout to the six. Shout. Um, that was, did I just take your line? No, just... I was gonna say shouts to uh, shouts to Shaq, my buddy on my on our in our men's league, oh, big Toronto. Shout out to the six um, in Toronto there, but no. In all seriousness, do a better job of getting that tournament available in the U.S. on streaming, whether that's NHL.com, the IHF's website, uh, Hulu, whatever, ESPN Plus, if they want to get involved too. There's just it, it, I was just gonna say that's such a perfect ESPN Plus property. Yeah. You know, like they, like they can buy the streaming rights to it. Let you know, NHL Network or that would have been a great NBC Sports Network. Like, I was gonna say even Peacock. Like if NBC still wants to keep the sports yeah. dream alive, you know, with their Peacock platform. I don't know. I don't know if they do, but such a perfect yeah, ESPN Plus absolutely. spot for it. Um, and they could brand they could brand it perfectly too. Think of it like ESPN like you're the future of hockey. You know, I like get people to care about kids who are 18, 19, 16, 17 years old that are then going to be the future. And then you build programming around the draft. And then you build programming around the the preseason like they do with football because the kids that you started watching three years ago on Team USA, not like if it, the, the easiest way to get people interested in a sport that are that are neutral at best, right? Mm-hmm. Who are like, oh, cool. Like I'll watch the Stanley Cup or if hockey's on at a bar, I'm not going to say turn it off. But they might be a football fan. They might be a college football fan. The easiest way to do it, is, especially in America, is to appease their national, their nationalistic part of yeah, them, right? The patriotics. So get them invested in the seventeen-year-old USA kids, who then they learn a couple names and then they learn a couple stories, and then they go to the draft and say, "Oh, I remember that kid. I remember Morgan Geeky, or I remember uh, Austin Matthews, or I remember Casey Middlestat, Jack Eichel." And now, oh, that kid got drafted to Philadelphia, where I live. I'm going to follow them now because mm-hmm. I remember that kid playing for the U.S. and winning gold. And then you just created a fan. You may be not a diehard fan, but a fan that's going to watch out-of-market Flyers games yeah. or buy it. You know, like there's just – there's a pipeline. There. Absolutely. And not that, I, you know, this could all be moot because the, the rights aren't for sale, but contracts I've seen been uh, ripped up before. Many times. Let's put it that way. Especially in media when everything's always for sale. To the highest bidder. Promise. Promise you that. Oh, man, NRD, where do you want to go next? Uh, on the same expanding fans, Chris Johnston uh, dropped a little thing the other day that said, maybe NHL expansion again in the next couple of years? Your thoughts and uh, any smoke on that? No smoke that I know of, but like it would be cool. People are going to say, well, it's you know new team fatigue. Like There's too many new teams. Uh, but Tell the MLS that. Well, the MLS isn't, or they're nowhere near 32, right? Or 30, or even 20 for that matter, right? Oh, God. I think they just finally hit 30. Like, or are hitting in the process of hitting 30. There's 30 from like teams 18, in the MLS. Three years ago. I'll t- let me tell you right now. It's it's crazy. There's no way there's 30. I thought there was like four teams in the MLS. Uh, <laughs> it's not a slight to soccer. I'm a, I'm a fan of the sport, but. NRD, the league is comprised of 29 teams. Holy shit. 26 in the U.S. and three in Canada. And uh, and I guarantee you that there are going to be more. St. Louis, St. Louis City SC. It's quite the mouthful. SLC SC starts next year. Charlotte FC started this year. Wait, SLC SC? 
St. Louis, St. Louis City Soccer Club. I feel like a snake. No, I feel like SLC. That should be like Salt Lake City Soccer Club. You would think so, but it's St. Louis City SC. See, I didn't even know they had Canadian. I, I knew of Vancouver. I knew Vancouver had a team. I didn't know if there were any other Canadian teams. Are they got Saskatchewan Strikers? What's what's in the MLS? The Saskatchewan Strikers. No, it's Toronto FC. Um, they have uh, they had Montreal. I don't know if they still do. I don't. I don't this we've we've gone so just so absolutely off the rails. Off right the rails. It's insane. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps. They have the Toronto FC and they have CF Montreal. Ooh. Club de Football de Montreal. Well, they, they always got to reverse. The, it's like the LNH on the jerseys. Exactly. 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 Um, so NHL expansion. We'll, we'll yeah, that's back. what we were talking about. Get back uh, on, the, on, the, on the thing there. Uh, 34 would be my guess if they go anywhere. And the, the reasoning behind it was recouping losses still from the, from the pandemic loss of revenue, which by the way, is still ahead of schedule. We're, we're not in a bad spot well. there, yeah. but they said, well, well might as well add two more teams, you know, because sort of why not there's interest for it as far as ownership goes. Well, um, that, and I, th- I think it's also a fail safe, right? Because we're, we're seeing now that these teams are being locked into non-relocation agreements, the Ottawa senators, whoever's going to come in and buys that team, has to sign a 30, 40 year agreement to keep them in Ottawa, whether exactly, it's downtown yep. or Brenton Flats or wherever they go. Same thing in Arizona. If if the, the Sky Harbor slash Tempe project falls apart, which you know hopefully it doesn't, we've talked about this many times on the show, they're going to be locked into keeping that team in Arizona for 30 years. Now, that doesn't mean that the NHL still doesn't want to be in those potential relocation markets, whether that's Quebec City, Houston, Austin, you know, I've long been pounding the you know, the table for Milwaukee. I think that'd be a great, that whole yep. area up there in, in the kind of that, that belt in the North would be a great area for an NHL team. So like there are markets to be explored by this league still, but you can't just move a team there. If you're having these new ownership groups come in by the coyotes, by the auto centers, wherever, and say, you can't move them. So you have to get there somehow. And if you go to 34, I don't think it's such a bad thing. If you're hitting the right markets. Yeah. You know, who has got the best attendance in the AHL right now. The Cleveland Monsters. Really? Cleveland Rocks, baby. I just, uh, you can't, I don't know if another Rust Belt team makes sense. Chicago's number two. I could see uh, like a double Chicago or double Toronto has always been talked about. But I think you go Houston, Kansas City, Quebec City, and we'll throw Austin and Milwaukee in there as, as some dark horses if you're going anywhere. Baltimore always. The only thing I want to throw out there about, about- the only thing I want to throw out there about Milwaukee, and maybe I saw this in a dream, yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure last year I saw something over the last like five or six Stanley Cup Finals. The like the number one market of a non NHL city has been Milwaukee, the Wisconsin area. I believe it. I mean, what what do the Admirals draw? Or I don't even know if they're a team anymore. I think they're an ECHL team. They might. Uh, that's that's they like might. the Adirondack Adirondack whatever they're calling Thunder. that. Thunder got demoted to the ECHL after the Lehigh got their team back. Yeah, so I just I, I think it's a good market because think about it. I mean, a lot of kids that are in the league are coming from that area. Totally. And that was the whole that was the whole marketing play behind bringing the Minnesota Wild back from under the North Stars, and we're going back to the state of hockey. Going I back mean, to that I'll area, tell you what. How, how about fucking Green Bay 
or just you know like northern Milwaukee in general. The, the Green Bay loves their the gamblers up there, the USHL team. Green Bay is in the middle of like nowhere, but yes, middle of fucking nowhere, but they show up for the pack. That's for sure. Give give the, give the I don't know. We're now we're we are fully and completely off the rails. Last thing I want to uh, I want to get in here before we leave. Do you think Johnny Goudreau regrets the Columbus decision right now? Uh, I think he said in an interview I saw somewhere that he doesn't. Okay, but I'm sure he does because that team is because years ready. And imagine Johnny Goudreau and the Devils right now. They might not have four losses. They might have uh, zero. Yeah, they might be the best team in the league, not the second best team in the league. <laughs> That'll do it for us uh, today. NRD, the NRD flu game, hangover game, tequila, uh, tequila Red Bull game. I think you crushed it, still, buddy. I, you know what? I, can I get a round of applause? I think I did a hell of a job, uh, despite all the BS and all the toxins. But we are still here. We're still thriving. Um, appreciate you, Brett, quite for the, kind of driving the ship today, even more so than you don't already normally do. Quite the range on this episode. We had MLS expansion. We had uh, Tage Thompson. We had uh, NRD Christmas parties. You just you, you never know what you're well, going to get on cold stove. You're going to get a healthy dose of hockey, though. I promise you guys that much. I'm a social drunk, so we're just having fun. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> NRD, that's NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. Where are you going? Nowhere? Nowhere. Nowhere. I'm Brett Merriman at Schmerriman on both Twitter and Instagram. We are at Cold Stove Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, enjoy the hockey. Enjoy the weather. Got some snow coming across the country in the next couple of weeks. Very excited about it. The weather pattern setting up nicely for a couple storms. Stay safe. Stay hungry. Stay humble. All those LeBron James things. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace out.